Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by Pull String Press. Thanks to Patrick for partnering with 805 Connect and providing this great studio for these podcasts. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, nice to see you, Mark. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. You can find more information about our partners at 805connect.com slash partners. Well, today's guest is Dave Wheaton. Good day, Dave. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm awesome. How about yourself? Now, you actually, when you're on the mat, you're called Grand Master. I've heard that, yes. And today, I want to talk about mastery with you. So we're going to spend the next 45 minutes having a conversation. The time will evaporate. When I say the word mastery, what, what do you hear? What do you think of first? Um, of, of never being a master. Okay. Of always, mastery is an ideal. It's like, uh, it's like integrity. It's something that we work towards, and hopefully one day we'll get very close to being perfect at it. Same with mastery, right? So it's true mastery is something that you're continually working towards. It's like I've been studying martial arts for almost 50 years now. And it, as you know, I'm in, I'm in the dojo three times a week, four times a week, taking kickboxing classes, and I'm still working on perfecting my sidekick. Hmm. Right? 50 I have years. Not, yeah, 50 years. I haven't mastered my sidekick yet. So I'm, I'm working towards that mastery. So is it fair to say we're, we're, you're mastering mastery? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Right. So it's a, you talk about um, seeking perfection of form. Exactly. And so there's so much about you that, you know, I want to get into, but I want to go all the way back. Let's go back 50 years ago because uh, I've not heard this story. Tell me about your first day on the mat and what got you there. Okay. So the first day on the mat and the first martial arts lesson were two different things for me. Hmm. Hmm. So um, it started with Bruce Lee. Oh. Right? I was watching this show, and Bruce Lee was the star, and he jumped up in the air and kicked out a light bulb, and he took everybody out, right? Oh, gosh. And uh, I I can remember, well, you know, if you go back 50 years, it wasn't mainstream. To see a human being jump up in the air and kick was very abnormal. People didn't know how to do that, right? You know? It was like kind of fighting dirty kicking, right? But I was mesmerized by it. And it was a couple weeks later, actually, that I I was taking a path home from school, and an upperclassman was coming the other way. And I tried not to make eye contact. I was big, but I was small at the same time, right? I didn't Mm -hmm. have confidence in that world. And so I'm looking the other way, looking the other way, and then I hear him start to laugh. And then I feel myself getting pushed in the snow and my face getting rolled into a snowbank. And I looked up at him. And I thought, if I were Bruce Lee, I would jump up at the air and kick you right in the face, right? And so I'm discussing this with my best friend, and I don't know, all of a sudden he started disappearing twice a week, right? And he was my best friend. I knew everything about him, you know, high school, you know, time. And twice a week he would not tell me what was going on, and then... Several months later, he's, um, he's up my house. He says, Dave, 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 i got to show you something. Come on out into the driveway. And um, I, okay. So he said, throw a punch at me. 
I said, throw a punch at you? He said, yeah, I want you to throw a punch at me. And so I said, okay. And I threw a punch at him, and he jumped up in the air, and he missed my nose by a half an inch with this jump front kick. Oh, wow. That's what I said. Wow. That's what I said. I said, where'd you learn how to do that? He said, that's where I've been. I've been taking Tang Sudo lessons. Tang Sudo. Tang Korean martial art. Yeah. Ah. Hmm. So he actually kind of was my first teacher. He was, started teaching me what he knew then, how to kick, how to do some punches. Your best friend. So you didn't go to the school. You Not had... the first time. Ah. Right? And then we worked out. We did a bunch of stuff together. And then I eventually went to his instructor and, uh, and trained with him a little bit. So then the next question would be, when was your first fight? Or the first opportunity to defend yourself where you could use that? Oh, that's, that's a great question, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, well, you spin out now to, I'm a senior in high school. I was 16 when I started, and now I'm, now I'm 17, almost 18, and I've got some martial arts under my, under my belt. And um, I'm going um, down to a pond in our town to go ice skating. And this, yet another upperclassman sees me, who always was kind of picking on me a little bit, and he pulls over has his friend stop the car, and he comes running towards me. He gets out of the car. Oh, yeah. And he starts screaming, he's going to kick my butt, right? And so I very calmly just put my leg back, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm, I just feel totally calm. And he's running towards me, and he's, like, got this crazy look in his eye like he's going to whoop me up. And as he got close enough, I just kicked him right in the gut really hard. Front kick. Front kick. And it just dropped him. Huh. And uh, he's on the ground whimpering, and he said... I'm going to get you. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you. <laughs> Did he? Never. No. no. So that was wow. my first self-defense with martial arts. And you teach self-defense with martial arts where? At Martial Arts Family Fitness in Santa Barbara. And is it? didn't you just win your 10th year in a row of Best Martial Arts Studio or is Best Fitness? Actually, that was Best Martial Arts Studio 12th year in a row. 12th year. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Why, why, do you think, uh, why do you think that is? For 12 years in a row that this community has voted for you. Hmm. Well, you know, in, at our school, we really focus on community, as you know. And, and um, it's, it's a part of everything we do. We want to develop kind of like a tribe within our school, within our business, right? And it's, we do it kind of organically. We do it because we love the feeling that that brings to us. Tell me about, because uh, I want to go down that path a little bit. So you, and I want to talk about your years in Hawaii. But when I think about family in the context of martial arts family fitness, I think about ohana. Well, that's the word I was thinking of. When the people we play something called buzzword bingo here oh, okay and uh, buzzword bingo is um, there's we have a language all of us have a different language to describe what we do and it might not be familiar to everyone mm -hmm. and so uh, I keep track of buzzwords so our listener uh, can learn something new today so what is ohana ohana it's um, the Hawaiian word for family it's the Hawaiian word for the family you choose the right? family you choose yeah so it's in my interpretation of it, right? So it's not just blood, right? It's the group, it's your tribe. It's the people that, you, that are around you. They're your ohana. 
I love that word. I mean, when I first heard that word, and then I think about martial arts, family, fitness, and community, uh, that resonates really strongly. Uh, for our listener, 13 years ago, I walked onto the mat and met you, and I was absolutely not the karate kid kind of guy. Boy, you changed, though, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And I walked in there in that spirit of ohana and the spirit of friendliness and everybody introducing themselves to one another um, was the exact opposite of the stereotype I had in my mind of what martial arts is all about. And I'd like to get back to mastery because one of the things that has deeply affected me is on my path through this martial life, uh, it's affected the business part of my life. And... I'm curious, what other, uh, what impacts do you see on adults in, who take martial I get the kids' side. Well, let's talk about the impact on their life off the mat. Adults or kids? Ah. And, and how, does, how have you seen it change them? Because I know you've seen it, the change in me. How have <clears> you seen it? You've been doing this for 50 years. Yeah. Um, so when you train in, you know, a martial arts, you, you just naturally become more disciplined, right? You, you, you actually start to seek discipline in your life. Um, with that, everybody, kids and adults, develop more confidence. And, and, and um, that self-confidence affects everything in their life. Their relationships, their, their business, their, as you know, right? I mean, it, how has your confidence grown? since you've been a martial artist, right? You can typically, you always have been very good at looking people in the eye and shaking their hand. A lot of people have a hard time with that, right? They develop the confidence to be able to look at someone, talk to them, shake their hand, say something, walk up in front of a school full of people and say, hello, my name is. Right, right. right. Yeah. One of the... the um amazing things that happens and I would uh, invite people to look at um, how do they find your website just because I'm gonna I want to toss to some of the events that you do uh, kickboxers.com boy I want to talk about how you got that URL in a second <laughs> a very persistent wife but one of the partner. great community events that you have is the uh, the black belt test I think you have them was two or three times a year twice a year now twice a year now mm -hmm. And that's where the underbelts graduate to getting their black belt, and then the senior black belts go on uh, their journey. If uh, someone wants to be inspired, come and sit and watch that, and watch the what's who's the youngest black belt? How old? At our school? Yeah. Now that's a great question. About eleven, I think, right now. There, it's spectacular when I, I see these young people who are on a path to mastery in their life starting really young. It's, it's very, very impressive. So I'm going to change gears a little bit. You started off young. You learned self-defense from your best friend. You started going to classes. We're at, in 805 Connect, I'm really interested in the people behind businesses and what got them excited about business, specifically the entrepreneurial gene. So tell us about what was the spark that led you to opening your first studio? Um, the fact that I'm hardcore unemployable. <laughs> so let's start a club. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I mean, I can work very hard, and I like to work very hard. And, and I like to um, 
accomplish tasks. However, usually when you work for somebody, they not only want you to complete a task, but they want you to complete the task their way. Hmm. And that just really never worked for me. Hmm. And so I would, I would rather spend 60 hours a week working my own business and making it grow than work 40 hours a week and possibly even make more money. So doing it your way, did you invent your own martial art then? Huh. Well, no, not really. What, what I did was I, like, I combined the arts that I knew and I put them in a logical order, and I made them work for my brain. And okay. For, so like when I studied Taekwondo, very hardcore, a lot of hard blocks, a lot of hard striking. And I saw its purpose, and it was a great combat art the way that I learned it. However, if you were smaller, if you were a female, it wasn't very friendly for you, right? And so the people that need the self-defense skills the most are actually weeded out of it. And they're, we, they're weeded out of they're it. They're weeded out of it, yeah, because they can't compete with the bigger, stronger person. Right? Got it. In Hapkido, it's, it's like very soft blocking, a lot of body movement, and it, a, really a small person can defend themselves equally as well as a big person as long as they can stay calm and they know their form and they know how to work in a circle. Um. <clears throat> And even when I studied Hapkido, it was taught in fragments. So we taught kicks, and we were taught kicks. We were taught self-defense techniques. We were taught taught throws. And it was all boom, 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 but it was never integrated. Hmm. And so I just, and it it wasn't really curriculum-driven, and my brain works curriculum. So I developed a curriculum for Hapkido, that included integration of technique. And I call that art dynamic circle hapkido. But and I didn't create anything new. I didn't make anything up. There's an interpretation, though, that you did. Yes. Right? Because I know that, you know, I remember when I got my black belt, there's 147 different techniques we get tested on. Have you ever counted them? I never have. I did. Yeah. I'm, that, I'm that guy. <laughs> and... Learning, learning all of those and having them uh, so ingrained that you can just execute flawlessly underneath the pressure of the black belt test. So let's get back to mastery again. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell says uh, it's 10,000 hours of practice at an age, typically a young age, where at the end of that, you know, you're well on the path to mastery. Talk to us about those hours on and off the mat and how you've seen people who've really excelled, those one percenters, how do they spend their time? Like anything, it's just it's consistency over time, right? I mean, it's, it's the people that just keep on walking in the door, right? They keep on walking in the door day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and they develop, start to develop a pretty high level of mastery over a few years. Um, and it, it, it's almost, it's pretty much everybody that does that gets better and starts to develop mastery. And, and the people that even walk into the school and they're really natural athletes and they're, and they come in and then they're a shot in the dark 
they never really get it down because they don't, a lot of those guys don't have the mindset to come in over and over and over again. <coughs> there are a lot of business people uh, in the dojo. Yes. Have you seen or have they talk, told you stories of how their, their martial training has affected their business? Well, um, yeah, yes. Um, prime exam example, uh, Mark Sylvester and his wife, Kimberly, right? They, I've heard of them. Yeah, you have heard of them, yeah. Like, they talk to me frequently about how the tenets of our school, courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit, affect every bus business decision that they have, right? They go through that when they have to make a bu business decision, right? So it's something that becomes so ingrained that it becomes hopefully a part of your everyday daily life. Like the lessons you learn within a martial arts school should reflect in everything in your life outside the dojo over time. That was the big surprise for me. You have um, everyone write an essay that's only read by you when they become a black belt and then when they receive their uh, senior belts, advanced <clears throat> belts. I would think that that would make a fascinating book to read for someone who wanted to be inspired. I save them all. I, you know, people ask me, you know, we got a lot of black belts. And people ask me, so do you really read all those papers? I actually read them several times. And um, I save all of them. So I have a box full of those black belt papers. And some of them are just so amazing. You can tell people that uh, just got to do it because they, it's, it's a task that they have to finish for their test. And then you, the people that get really introspective. I mean, it, it's like it, the hair on my arms stand up when I think mm. about some of the papers I've got. And sometimes... Some of the really introspective ones come from kids, which really? really blew my mind, yeah. There's a lot of kids there, uh, and actually I like training with the kids because it um, <clears throat> brings out a mentoring part in me, mm -hmm. you know, being the adult, but I also get mentored. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 You just see, you see the, you got the fire in their eyes. You can tell uh, that they're, you can tell they're black belts and they, they're 12 yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, 13. Yeah. And take it a, a different tack on this. One of the things as a business person that's a skill that needs to be developed is we call it relationship economics. And it's really taking an interest in the other person. At City College, there was a famous instructor who ran the hotel and restaurant program, a guy named John Dunn. And John had a class that was one half hour long every Friday morning and all 120 students would sit in the auditorium and one by one they stood up, they said their first name, their last name and one personal thing about themselves and then sat down and they did this through all 120 people. The test for that class, and that's all the class was, the test for that class, the final pass or fail, was you had to write down the first name, last name and something personal about everybody in the class. The lesson was that if you're going to go out into the hotel and restaurant business and you're going to have a few hundred people working for you, you better know them all by name and something and invest enough, take the time to know something about them. What I've noticed about you that's really interesting 
is that you know everybody in the school, first name, last name, something about them, but you also know where they are on their path. And you're not teaching the class as a cookie cutter, everybody's at the same level. You're actually able to understand where everybody's limit is and then push them just a little bit. I want to hear more about that skill. We've never talked about this, no, we but, it, yeah. but it's something that's really interesting to me. And I think that's a skill that all of us, it doesn't matter what business we're in, could serve to develop better. Okay, so for the first part of it, it and the second part, actually, it's really organic for me. I mean, I love people. I love finding out about people. I love finding, I just love finding out about people. I love talking to people. Um, so I have this genuine interest. I don't have to fake it. I know a lot of people are, hey, how you doing? But then they, they don't feel it. Right? Insert name here. Hi, Bob. Hi. <laughs> right, exactly. My name is. Um, and so that part of it is really easy. The teaching, you know, I've been teaching for so long. And the last time I counted, I taught over 30,000 classes. 30,000 classes. Yeah. And so I'm always, I'm always, I've been doing this a long time, Mark. I know. And, um, and I'm always working my, my teaching skills. Right? Besides being a martial arts instructor, I'm also a flight instructor. And I've had to take like teaching courses and I had a teaching mentor in flying also. And so that tremendously affected the way I taught martial arts because I understood the, mechan the actual scientific mechanism behind learning. And so I get to practice that all the time. And then... The ability, though, because you also... I mean, there's, you, you're not called grandmaster for nothing, right? Hmm. So there's, there's something about... Is it a... You, you teach us about having this sense of your awareness, what's going on around you. Is that something that you can teach people or... How do they open up to that? Because there, there's that's also situational awareness. Yes. Um, I, I don't know if you can really teach them. You can lead them, and you can lead by example, and you can talk to them about stillness, and you can have them, as, as we do in our black belt classes, sit and meditate at the end of class, work on breathing and meditation. Um, and that brings stillness, and stillness brings awareness and presence. Um, but to actually teach them intellectually, I don't think so. They have to feel it. They have to practice the, <clears throat> the things that will bring them towards awareness. I could talk to you about awareness all day, and you're just well, going to... Well, keep yeah. going. Let's... We, we... No, no. I mean, I could, and you'll, you'll, you'll oh, never you become, would, you'll see, never become I more see. aware because I'm talking about it. It's like I can talk about uh, a great one is perseverance. I could talk to you about perseverance. I could, I could have you say perseverance after class for 20 years, right? And you understand. Okay, so perseverance, but unless you persevere, you will nev never develop perseverance. It's the same thing, right? So my daughter, who you know, who's a, a black belt, yes, um, called me one time, and she was going on and on about how tough her day was and how hard it was and what was she going to do. And I just stopped her and I said, oh, so this is what perseverance looks like, huh? 
Uh, right. That's your, so. To your point, it's having that as an an awareness of those things and always wanting to be better at that. Kimberly yeah. and I, as, as you said earlier, this is a <clears throat> daily practice for us, and so we're thinking yeah. about integrity. We're thinking about, gosh, that thing I just said. I wasn't being very courteous. I'm going to self correct. So let's let's talk about self-correction for a second because as you say you're always seeking perfection of form and as business people are always trying to get better and learn from what we do i remember learning one time somebody hit some one in class and we're not supposed to actually touch and they said they were sorry and then you said don't say you're sorry tell, tell us about that hmm yeah well oftentimes an apology dismisses the action. So I, I actually first um, first watched this whole mechanism when I was in Honolulu. And I had a student, female student, who kept on hitting people and hurting them, mm. right? Whenever, whenever she worked with them. And she would just hit them and say, I'm sorry. Hit them and say, I'm sorry. And it's just like, all of a sudden, it hit me. You know, if you're really sorry change your behavior. Stop saying you're sorry because every time you say you're sorry, you dismiss that action at that moment, mm. right? So now I have people, if they hurt somebody, suck it up. And when they talk to me about it, I have them change their behavior, including myself. So so do you, is there a uh, a politeness, though, to say I'm sorry and change your behavior. How do you? Because I've actually tried to do this, where I've, you know, I've I've messed something up, and I'm genuinely apologetic, but I also have that little voice in my head saying, I'm not going to let myself off the hook. I'm going to change my behavior. Yet in that moment, that person's expecting an apology. Too bad. Huh? Too bad, especially in that moment, right? Suck it up, and then. You can have a conversation with them later about it. Interesting. Do you? Sorry to chime in, but do you mean like the like the mechanism of saying sorry is too? It's a too easy of an out. Like oh, it, absolutely. It gets me off the hook too fast, right. and then I don't. I didn't learn anything from from causing that pain. Right. It just went. It went away by me magically saying, "Oh, I'm sorry." Exactly. Right. Yeah. Going to shift gears again. Okay. One of the words uh, you said earlier, you said uh, dynamic circle hapkido. Mm -hmm. And the circle is a metaphor for a lot of different things. Uh, in your home, when you walk into your living room, you can't not see this massive painting with a big circle on it, which I believe came from Musashi, right? Musashi. Well, I don't famous. know the original, but he did them, yes, for yeah. sure. You know, I'm a big fan of Musashi. So, so t tell us... Because I've got my thoughts about the circle, but the circle as emblematic of everything that happens on the mat. But I'd like to talk about off the mat. Explain to people the, the, the importance of the circle in what you do. Well, it's, it's complete, it's whole, and it's empty. Okay. Um, as, as far as on the mat and... The circular movement, um, it circular movement works really well with energy. Okay. So you can 
work in your circles and develop your flow. And if you work it dynamically with energy, you can actually feel the energy moving through you over time. So I've noticed we do this one exercise where um, we've got a circle of eight black belts around someone in the center. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you'll cut off the light, so we have to do it in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Or we do it blindfolded, and we're, we're trying to sense that energy. And I was taken early on how my daily life sometimes feels like that circle where I've got incomings from all different directions and my job is to be ready for all of those and to be able to kind of use my energy to deflect them. And we've, we've talked, I've written about this extensively uh, with you. Um, Do you see examples of that circle just kind of around? Do you see things in circles? I often do. Yeah. I actually see them almost like a colorful brushstroke, especially when I'm working in the circle. There's, there's um, something fascinating about that. I know, uh, again, uh, I think it's interesting how sports and business are intertwined so much. I, I think that's probably why golf is very popular with business people. There's all the metaphors of life with golf. I don't I've golfed, but I'm not a golfer. I'm a martial artist, so I see all of my analogies are with that. And this, when I'm talking with uh, kids or I'm working with someone and they get stuck, it's kind of like getting stuck in business, and they're not sure what to do next. Now, what you'll say is stop thinking, just act. Mm -hmm. And what I'll say to them is find the circle. When you're stuck... Is there a circular out of this thing? Can I spin in a circle? Can I think circularly? And I found that that has helped. In fact, I describe my business to people at the highest level as I actually show a circle and explain how at any given time I know where we are in our relationship, in our project, as the circle goes. And guess what? We'll never be done. Kind of like you said in the very beginning, we'll never achieve mastery. If I start by laying it out that it's a circle and we just keep going around and around and around, getting better at it as we go. Yeah. I want to talk about you, Ask, kind of hear your thoughts about being an entrepreneur. And there's... Um, the person listening to us right now uh, is either in a business or owns a business or wants to go off on their own and, and find their own path. At what point was it you um, found that entrepreneurial part in you? Because we've talked about business, and, and you'll say, oh, I'm not the business guy. Hmm. But you are the business guy. You may not, you, like me, I've got diplomatic immunity against spreadsheets, I like to say. Yeah, well, I like that. <laughs> right. That's why I'm the ambassador for 805 Connect. Yet, you, you have an entrepreneurial bent in there. Oh, yeah. Talk, talk to us about that. Um, again, it, it goes back to being unemployable is part of it. And, but, I, but I've always had a spirit that wanted to learn how to create stuff. So my very first venture, I was still in high school and uh, in Connecticut, and I saw an ad in the paper 
for a put out by the Young Republican Committee. Now you, you understand. You've seen pictures of me. My hair was down past my shoulders. And we all have those pictures. Yes, in our I past. have. Well, not all of us, but several of us do. We do. I know. And um, <clears throat> and they were going to start a coffee house, and they wanted to teach kids how to run a business. So, me and my best friend and several of my best buddies of the time went down. My best friend that did karate with me. Yep. Went down there and said, "Okay, we're really interested." Right. And so we, you know, they had they had an idea of what the coffee house would look like. But we had another idea, but we started to build it. And it was my first real business, right? We didn't put money in our pocket, but we created money, and then it went into the young Republican. Never mind. So uh, <laughs> so did you work so, there, or you helped them build I, this? No, they or didn't you, touch it. We built the business from scratch. They guided us in some of the things. Oh, I see. Got it. Yeah. So it was a huge success, and everybody... All oh, the kids just loved it. It was an alcohol-free place where people could go, and it ended up being a dance hall for minors, right? And everybody loved it except the young Republicans because they didn't feel as though we followed what they wanted us to do, so they basically shut us down. And what do you mean shut you down? They closed the place down. Ah. They found a reason to close us, so... So that was your first brush with uh, the establishment. That was my first brush with the establishment, yeah. Or their, yeah. their way of and thinking it, you should live. Right. And it, I mean, it, it, they could have been Democrat. It wouldn't have mattered, right? Because it was, just, it was about control. They wanted to control us, and we grew out of the control and did what we wanted to do anyway. And they didn't like what we did, so they shut us down. So that was your first venture. Uh-huh. You've been running martial arts family fitness for 13 years so let's bring it back to the 805 mm-hmm. why santa barbara <clears throat> so we were in honolulu we had a great school over there had a little house on the hill everything was kind of peachy king and uh my wife and i decided to have an adventure there were several reasons why we did it, but we decided to have an adventure, and that adventure took us initially to San Diego, and um, where she was president of a dot-com. And um, that dot-com crashed, and we were looking for our what's next. And I had a buddy up here um, who said, he was a psychiatrist, he said, hey, Dave, you know, Santa Barbara really needs what you do. You should be here doing it. Hmm. And then our oldest boy just started to go to City College. And Mel started coming up here, and she said, well, I like this place, Santa Barbara. And so we started looking. And then it just kind of, you know, sometimes, oftentimes in life, if you just breathe, things happen exactly the way they were supposed to. Right. And that was how we ended up here. We had, she found us a house within two weeks that accepted us, two kids, two dogs with a yard. For not too much money, and we had a business that crashed, so, you know, without great credit credentials. Right. And then two weeks later, we found our dojo. Now, is that the original building? Are you in the original building from 13 years ago? Yes. Yes. And uh, I've got, I think I started uh, within your first year. Oh, you definitely did, yeah. And I've got pictures from back then when there were six of us in class. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. How many students do you have now? 
Uh, a little over 600. Wow. Yeah. In all programs, right? So what kind of programs? So people who don't know about what you do, t- tell us a little bit about the programs. So it's, it's about half and half traditional martial arts and fitness, but martial-driven fitness. So we have kickboxing, fitness kickboxing classes that are, uh, you know, very group-friendly. We have a lot of women. We have a lot of people all ages in those classes. Um, and then we have a nine-week program called CUT, and it's actually how we developed our school. It's a get-back-in-shape program, and it mixes um, cardio work, doing fitness kickboxing, and resistance training using bands. Uh, it's six days a week, and it'll jumpstart any program, right? And from that, what it, what it seems to me like a lot of people come into our kickboxing training to test us to see if it's a fit for martial arts because a lot of people have come into our martial arts program from that cut program. Mm. Yeah. So in our or their kids do. So we have you know in our martial arts side we have age specific classes for 3 and 4 year olds, 5 and 6 year olds, 7 through 12 and then adult programming. What's your favorite age? No one's listening. So you can my favorite it's age. It's like asking your favorite well, child. I know it. I know it. Okay. So yeah, you know that always changes. Um, I haven't taught kids in a long time many years now because my son teaches and sons have taught them for years and years now but before I passed the torch on probably my favorite single class was the little ninja class the real little ones how old are they? three, four three or four yeah sometimes five in Hawaii I, I I called them something a little bit different, and I had a little different age breakdown. So they were three, four, five, and if they were uncoordinated, six were in that group. But they're always my favorite. I mean, just, I just, it's, they're like, if you're into dogs or cats, they're like puppies or kittens. If someone wanted to get inspired like you were about martial arts, and this is the first time they've had an extended conversation and understanding at a, a little different level than before, what movie would you have them watch martial arts hmm. yeah can i give you a few sure cool enter the dragon it's what okay. got me got you oh, Great. No, no that that was later on that was his next movie um billy jack ah why because it's my art it's hapkido which um, you don't see that often in the movies more now but back then never right Billy Jack. Okay, everybody can Google that. Yeah, Billy Jack. I'm going to take this foot, and I'm going to stick it on that side of your face. Famous line, right? Yeah. And actually, the guy he kicks is a friend of mine's father. Really? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Love that. Now, Dave, you've, um, you know, you're 50 years doing this. You've achieved grandmaster status. Your school was recognized as the top martial arts school in the country. Uh, by the association that uh, was it governs, or it's that like a trade association for. It's a trade association, yes. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And I also know that you're in the Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Yes. Yes. Can is that a place you can go to, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. <laughs> so it's up in your mind. 
Not in my mind. I, I forgot all about it till you said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, but no, I... no, no. I mean, it, you know, they they have annuals and they have a website with all our names on it, and yeah, I mean, it, it's an honor to be recognized. What What's next for you? Next for me, huh? Um, continue teaching. Continue expanding on the ideas I get. I'm doing a little bit of writing. I'm um, I'm almost done creating a protein powder because I didn't like the protein powder that I was taking. Something that's really clean and pure. Um, and I just have all these little projects that I work on. So As you you know, I'm, I I kind of like to invent things. I invented yep. a weapons bag, and I made up one prototype, and then you ended up with it. I did. <laughs> I did. And it's a great weapons bag. I've never taken action on it. And I've, I've made martial arts shoes. Um, I have a pair of those. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I like to think about things and take an idea. And this is another thing for entrepreneurs. Take an idea. And no matter what that idea is, no matter what that idea is, to bring it to its end, right? Whether it works, whether people buy it. Like, when you have a creative thought, Act on your creative thought and move towards bringing it into life. I think that's a perfect note to end on. And I want to thank you so much. Dave, where where can we learn more about uh, Martial Arts Family Fitness? Kickboxers.com. Well, I want to to thank you so much for being a part of our 805 conversation. Uh, You're definitely fascinating. People will definitely want to know more about you. They could start following you on Facebook and seeing some of the very cool little videos that you put out there. Oh, so thank, thank, you. thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And I want to thank Patrick at Pullstring for helping us create and distribute these 805 conversations and our good friends at Bose. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. They gave us these fantastic headsets. They are nice. Right? Yeah, I don't even know I'm wearing them. Yeah. Right? They're, uh, they're spectacular. So thanks to Bose. And I also want to thank a local company, Cielo24. Uh, they provide searchable captions for the podcast. So what we do is we upload the podcast, and they've got an extremely interesting business that provides captions for them so that people can read Uh, So we don't have to go and write show notes. (laughs) So we have that. So I want to thank them as well. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 